Welcome, one and all, to Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial Star Trek Discovery podcast. My name is Matt, and joining me, as always, is Pete. Hailing frequencies are open. I'm sorry. Have you met me? Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek, for episode 404, All is Possible, comes to you now via Rigelian Rutabagus. And just a bit of fleet news before we arrive at the episode. Pete, uh, aside from the Star Trek news about this episode, which we will be digging into either now or later or both, uh, kind of quiet on the Star Trek front. I do want to say I did tentatively put on our internal schedule. Uh, again, internal guess here on my part that uh, season two of Picard will start February 24th. It's either that or the week before. Um, more immediately... On our pop culture podcast feed, Pete, in this upcoming week, we got Hawkeye, where maybe multiple Marvel characters will appear uh, th- that are connected to other properties, as well as a Spider-Man movie this week. Uh, that with new Star Trek Discovery this week as well means uh, these are the best of times. Uh, it's a pretty packed week. I'm really stoked for it. But Pete, more immediately, more focusing on Star Trek, can you calm any nerves at the end of this episode with some Star Trek news of the week? Mary Wiseman will be back later this season. It remains to be seen for how much, but she will be returning. With that news, Pete, let's roll into the mission briefing. Discovery streaks into view as Michael Burnham records a captain's log on stardate 8656.61.2. One week after her mission with the Kuat Malat and her mother, uh, Discovery has stayed in orbit over Navarre as uh, she walks the hall. Uh, They've been working with the Navarre Science Institute and the Federation Task Force tracking and studying the DMA. Uh, And while no other inhabited world has been threatened yet, uh, Navarre is being fast-tracked in negotiations to rejoin the Federation. And then, Matt, we see the original Enterprise. I'm not talking about Kirk's. talking about Scott Bakulas in a snow globe in Tilly's quarters. Yes. Um, Pete, I was not aware that Tilly was a fan of uh, the history of the Federation, that storied ship, the NX-01. I'm sure, Pete, if I look on Memory Alpha, it will tell me that this has appeared many times before. It's not kind of like a shoehorn thing now and then a gift later at the end. But we see that... This this was made for this episode... (laughs) Uh, I know, I was being slightly sarcastic. Oh, okay. That is to say, a little sarcastic with the writing, that, like, Tilly... Well, Pete, this is, I think, the first part of a two-part chain to be like, look, here's a thing that Tilly cares about. Tilly will give it to Adira at the end, um, which will strengthen the bond that they have, uh, because there was a thing at the beginning of the episode that got referenced at the end. That's, That's how that works, right? Uh, we also see the crew uh, in montage. We see the crew working on the DMA. We see Stamets working on it as well. Some folks in the bar playing cards. Uh, don't forget, Pete, 
in the bar there. They're they're working on the other DMA. I'm talking about downtime mandated actions. Tranya shots. Tranya shots. Uh, Pete, from that high, take us to Book, who's maybe not feeling as good. Uh, with Burnham in their quarters there, the mind meld has helped. Um, but only a little bit. And peace for him is fleeting. Uh, she, Burnham, has encouraged Book to speak to Dr. Culver. Uh, Saru uh, reports to uh, Burnham that President Rillick has requested their presence on Navarre. Admiral Vance has fallen ill with a Melindian stomach worm, and the acceptable medical guidance is to let it gestate 24 hours before it's extracted. Uh, they are to replace him in a diplomatic capacity. Uh, Burnham wants to continue with the DMA here, uh, but Saru says that the president did not imply there was a choice. Um, their role is to, and he quotes, remain silent and look official, nothing more, but it's actually completely more. We cut to Culver's counseling office. He's talking to Tilly. She is recapping, having tried all sorts of new things, as well as the realization that she has been on a straight path to the captain's chair, but perhaps now needs a detour. That said, she's not sure what her next step might be. Coincidentally, Dr. Kovich has asked Culver to find someone to lead cadets on a training mission. That could be counted as Tilly's mandated downtime, which I think Pete still kind of sounds like uh, work, but it's a start, uh, a smart story tweak. I think it's, um, I'm complaining a little bit, but it's actually more like, I see what you did there, story. Good job. Um, and, and wait, Pete, if Tilly's going, perhaps you can take someone else. Yes, a favor here to Dr. Culver. Uh, Adira has been ordered on this mission, and in the only dialogue that they have with Gray um, in this episode, uh, Gray says and confirms what Pete says last week, that uh, Adira is the one that has the symbiont and that they are expected to add new experiences to it. That makes me a little bit more confused about the whole transferring Gray out of Adira and into the the robo body. However, I am not, I will admit, I should not be super confused because the episode said, now we're going to do a thing, and the thing was done, and it worked. So fair is fair. I am glad, Pete, even though I am, perhaps once again, on the wrong side of a theory, um, I'm glad to now know where the, uh, where, where the, the symbiont is. Uh, I do like the characterization here that for Adira, it's difficult to be outside the comfort zone. It's in line with someone who grew up on a generation ship and all of that. Uh, meanwhile, it's in line with Tilly. It is. It definitely is. Um, meanwhile, Gray, who's just, you know, uh, how's Gray going to get to meet new crew members, go to the bar, say hello, meet new people. Um, I must confess, Pete, I'm not quite as uh, effervescent as Gray is. So it's a good lesson that sometimes you need to go there and be like, hey, this is the thing where new people talk. What's up? I'm new. Let's talk. And it works from a characterization standpoint. Opposites attract here. Gray, super confident. That had been the part 
that it had really guided Adira. And again, the overriding theme here of breaking those comfort zones, those routines uh, in order to grow. Uh, we are reminded through dialogue that Kovich is Kovich, which again is not me complaining. I'm saying good job dialogue that when Tilly says to Adira, look, here comes Kovich. It's just a nice way to remind people. Here's the David Cronenberg character. Pete, I did read some um, professional writer article that wondered why David Cronenberg is in this show and were they suddenly filming in Vancouver? Um, David Cronenberg was a very clear last season that he is Toronto based, which is the uh -huh. other side of that country from Vancouver. Yep. Uh, second of all, he's also been upfront like, Hey, I act for money. Sometimes I need money for my film projects. And for him, that's not a problem. Like somebody wants to pay him lots and lots of money to, you know, relative to, you know, we, the normal folk pay him lots and lots of money to play a character He's happy to do it to help fuel his passion. Like it's not, it's not a mystery that he's back. They're paying him money to play a role he likes to play so he can fuel his passion and his vocation, his calling in this world. You just need to do a little bit of uh, research there inverse. Um, but Kovic says, welcome back to Starfleet Academy. And he suggests that Adira introduce themselves to the, uh, the cadets. Pete, these learners have grown up isolated and disconnected. They cannot function as a team with new people and new species. Where do they get this stuff from? I don't, I just don't know where they got it. You know, they have their, their hollow, uh, screens, Matt, they, they sit on the other end of them and they, they learn on them or they project their hollow presence. I, yeah, this, this writing room, you know, uh, you and I are both being a bit sarcastic, but I think we both are like, ooh, good job bringing the 21st, yeah, good job bringing 2021 into Star Trek in a way where we... Do, we, do, we, do first responders in an, uh, an upcoming episode with Dr. Culber when he's ready to talk. There you go. Um, ironically, of course, because of the DMA binding people together with this common threat. Again, I see what you're doing there. Good job. Star Trek Discovery. Uh, people need to work uh, together now more than ever. Uh, and this portion of the story continues on the very slick-looking shuttle uh, where they're headed to do a planetary analysis. Tilly is her, her normal goofily upbeat self to the mute responses of her audience. She does cover that they're going to be on this mission for six hours. They'll be picked up by the USS Armstrong. Um, little confused why you'd need a pickup from the USS Armstrong when you have the warp capable shuttle taking you there. Um, Pete, it could just be so they can get more training on the USS Armstrong. I think we know the story reason because you need to have a ship also save the day there. But just want to point that out a little bit of good old fashioned Star Trek redundancy. You know, you actually don't need people at the ops and con positions when you can just say computer fly to this direction. It's just Pete, it's the good old the good old future where there's a job for all sorts of people. Tilly explains that on her first training exercise, she dropped her utility kit down a methane gas vent. Uh, no one will share their uh, experiences, their background. And with about a minute to drop out of warp, we give our assignments out here 
Tilly uh, says that Adira will do Magnetospheric. Haral, the Orion, is going to do Geological. Sasha, our human, Microbial. And Gorev, the Tellarite, Atmospheric. So at least get a little bit of a name introduction. We get more a little bit later. Um, Adira is trying to talk to Tilly about uh, finding a way to be more useful when they are hit by a rogue gamma ray burst that Lieutenant Callum says has knocked their engines offline. The helm will not respond. Sasha is a trained pilot because she tells us out loud, though there is a trained pilot at the helm, I'm a trained pilot, I can take over, and I love Tilly showing the authority, telling her to sit down. Uh, we go to the credits where we see the episodes written by Alan McElroy and Eric J. Robbins, directed by John Ottman. He, we've he's directed uh, Discovery before. You know, this a an accomplished director, editor, and so forth. Uh, afterwards, we're still on the shuttle. Uh, Lieutenant Callum is, is going to be saved by some quick action, and nope, nope, he actually is dead. So stakes. Although Pete. Any good Star Trek fan at this point, as soon as they see he's dead, what you thinking? Right? Totally a training exercise. Totally Kobayashi Maru. Right. Even as we're told communications are knocked out, comms, uh, uh, the, the controls won't respond. Tilly opens the blast shields. Uh, that's not a desert, though. They're on an ice moon. Then it's said out loud, uh, this is an exercise, right? The pilot was a hollow, right? And I'm like, exactly, because we've all seen this before, right? Tilly says, no, this is happening and Pete, credit to Mary Wiseman, who can play the silly, but here, you know, is serious, somewhat blood streaked, saying, no, this is happening. And that's when I think all of us at home go, oh, this is happening. This is for real. This is not Star Trek Two. The icy landscape here of Class L Kukaitis, uh, breathable, but environmentally hostile. Uh, Adira tells us that. Uh, the gamma ray would have knocked out comms, so they can't get through to the Armstrong. Um, as you said before, is this real? Is it not? We fall on the side of it being real, but again, story clock, six hours. A lot can happen in that time, we're told. Uh, it's here that Tilly now orders introductions. Adira goes first, then Val, Sasha, who grew up on a colony on Titan where she learned to pilot at 12. And when she went to the Academy, it was the first time she met non-humans. Taz Gorev, uh, after the burn, his family was stranded in Emerald Chain territory and they were not treated well. More on that later. And our Orion, Haral, uh, he's had to work twice as hard to be taken serious. He is at the top of the class. Go team. Look, I'm not saying that they're setting up a Star Trek uh, Academy spinoff TV series, but it seems to me like we have all the pieces here for maybe a Starfleet Academy in the 20th, or pardon me, Starfleet Academy in the 32nd century, maybe book series, something like that, comic series, audio adventures, whatever it is, I'm on board for it. Um, with the conflicts between Gorev and Haral, uh, reiterated here, you know, we've seen them butt heads a little bit, but just this notion that Gorev's fam family post-burn was stranded in chain territory. 
um, Haral, Asnarayan, people make certain assumptions, needs to work twice as hard as a result of that. Pete, it's a very honestly earned and earnestly earned Star Trek bunch of moments here. To Navarre, where we use the AR wall for the background. Uh, really? You don't think that was a uh, some sort of sumptuous Toronto mansion where they filmed, a la uh, Spock's house? <laughs> uh, I'll be serious. Uh, I was looking the, at it going... Parts with the, uh, it, it extends way too high up. Okay, okay. Pete, I'm going to hold out hope that it, that it's just some, you know richie richardson house that, that got rented out but regardless it's, a, it's definitely a better use of it the least effective use of it is the federation hq shuttle area where it is very apparent where it is it feels like lower than first season mandalorian of knowing where the curtain is well pete this much i know as talks are ready to begin, uh, Saru has been sent some tea from Tarina. Uh, she she bats her eyes. It's a Vulcan way of batting one's eyes. But let's just say, Pete, things are clear to many, okay? With that, it's time to talk. They're just going to rubber stamp this thing and just hand the flag over, no problem. But Tarina notes that the DMA has changed things. An amendment is required. Navarre must be able to leave the Federation at any time. An exit clause, a niv-exit, if you will, Pete. <laughs> uh, I, I love that. I don't love Brexit. Um, yeah, that they want the ability to unconditionally withdraw should the need arise. Um, this would be unprecedented from the standpoint that uh, no other... Uh, member world would have this. Um, there were all sorts of pre-burn problems between Navarre and the Federation. And Rillick notes that it would give Navarre all the benefits of belonging to the Federation while the Federation would bear all of the risks. And it would set others up to request such accommodations. Um, Burnham stands up here and notes that it's illogical to forfeit all these talks, all this effort over just one issue. Uh, President Tarina says that they have endured, uh, Navarre has without the Federation, but Burnham said there's a difference between endurance and thriving. Rillick proposes a recess at this point. Uh, Burnham and Saru talk. Saru is going to go talk to Tarina. Rillick asks for a moment with Burnham. Uh, and indeed, uh, it is reiterated that we know, Saru and Burnham know, that their job was to say nothing and do nothing. But of course, they're, they're jumping on in, in part because they're both uh, the, the top two series leads of a TV show. Uh, we cut to Book and Culver talking. First about Grudge, then Culber shares a bit of his own past, talking about a standing funeral where the dead are posed as they were in life. Tio Cesar was placed playing cards when they were trying to put cards into his hands. His thumb broke off. Dr. Culber tried to fix it and only made the situation worse. Soon there was laughter, and it is noted that grief is complicated and can take many forms. 
and he was very angry about the death of his uncle and he went to that funeral determined that nothing would make him feel better but instead of course that unexpected experience leading to the healing uh so perhaps book might be willing to try something different we go back to navarre or saru thanks to rena for that tradition uh, traditional kelpian tea he wonders how he might be uh, able to help, uh, be it in negotiations or, by implication, perhaps help her personally. She steps away to meditate, and as Doug Jones nods uh, to her as she walks away, Pete, he is glowing. I don't know whether that's the makeup, the acting. <laughs> behind, I mean, c- certainly, certainly his acting is driving a lot of this. I don't know if they did a little color pass, a little blush. Uh, either in the computer or on top of the latex or or whatever. But, I mean, it's just... Pete, I don't know how it is that a guy with that much rubber on his face and a woman who's told, don't show emotions when you act, how they're able to get the kind of chemistry that they do, but they do because they're both amazing at what they do. I'm so excited about this storyline. I can't wait to have this followed up. Um, Rillick speaks to Burnham here that uh, they're representing um, themselves, but of course they're representing other interests and Burnham encourages compromise. Um, But all eyes are on them. uh, Rillick says, and that a compromise would project weakness. Her hands are tied, Matt. So it seems we're done here uh and she beams out with the rest of her entourage burnham and saru have what i call a scooby-doo moment here where it's clear to them though they've never been directly told they have to find the solution is vance even really ill why them (laughs) um yes the notion that that these talks have turned into political theater and uh, the truth needs to be gotten to. We go back to Tilly and company where the situation is still sideways. There's no comms. There's no hope though. Sensors do show thousands of life forms outside the shuttle. Um, Do I understand Pete that I know that there's some dialogue that only caught on the second time that it's like a, a species that works cooperatively together because all I know is later on all I see is two like octopus spider shark things well one splits off from the other uh you're referring to what my tricorder identifies matt as a tuscadian pyrosome it's a colony species of thousands of interconnected zooid life forms that prey on bioluminescent uh, crustaceans that are tracked via electromagnetic signatures that are exactly the same as all of their gear which I thought was awfully coincidental, um, but I guess that's that's how it goes sometimes, Pete, in a, in a universe of options. Sometimes two are diametrically opposed. Um, with that, a giant tentacle starts shaking the shuttle. Uh, definitely not good. Shut off everything, because as Pete said, the signal is equal bad. Um, the monster seems to move away. Uh, with that pause, it's said that everyone needs to get out of the valley, perhaps to that ridge over there uh, where the personal communicators can get in touch with the Armstrong. Um, 
Adira offers to go alone. Uh, the cadets get all squirrely. No, says Tilly. We're going to do this all together. Let's move. So Pete. Take charge, Tilly. Yes. So Pete, just to recap here, can just to make sure I understand it. They can't wait six hours within the they'll world of the story. Okay, because they'll freeze to death. And they have three days worth of food. And they're they're uh, expected yeah. in six hours. Like the ship's gonna come looking for them in six hours. Um but they could freeze to death in less than six hours. I mean, listen, when you sit back and evaluate it at the end of the episode, what was the passage of time that it took them to get to the top of the ridge and contact the Armstrong? Was it six hours? Adira almost gets frozen in the lightning ice. I mean, 45 minutes, maybe, 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 maybe. 55 minutes of an episode but you know real time whatnot back in therapy uh book is sculpting sand in what he will eventually throw in dr culper's face as a sad attempt to replicate the quay tholum quay quajani healing ritual where they are healed by their planet you need sand from a particular river you need to ask this forest for a blessing and there's some storms involved that he kind of stops talking about instead the substitution because none of that exists anymore because of the loss of his planet is programmable matter made to look like sand it's cheap tricks from a hollow pad and Colber is right there with him in his sorrow of course it's not the same what he's been through is devastating and book doesn't know how much longer it's going to take i have to say i feel like we have three storylines this episode uh coincidentally like last week we have kind of a political intrigue on navarre which is talky but also a lot of like let's go over here and whisper let's go over there and yell let's go you know there's all that uh, we have obviously the action-oriented bit with Tilly. This scene here is a lot of sitting and talking, and I think that maybe how it's presented or how it's shot, or maybe it's just the way it is because it is a therapy office and he's doing the bit with the sand, but there's not there's not a whole lot other than talking. But here's what I'm trying to say, Pete. This notion of book saying, the only way I can properly you know, find my peace is through a particular series of events and resources and tools and Colbert, you're full of baloney that you just read a thing and you're trying to get me to do it. And then to reach that point to say, and you're never going back to Quay John, you're never getting the special sand and the special water. It's gone. It's time for you to find a new way to heal yourself because it's not the magic sand and the mystical water. That was always a, 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 a format or a, a template by which you could, reach resolution time to figure out something else i think it's a powerful it's a powerful therapeutic moment i i'm not here to say you know oh therefore i can infer that you know your 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 personal uh, routines and traditions that you hold sacred they're all baloney figure out a new way in the world of star trek the point is very very clear he's never going back again this whole episode is about moving forward and to no longer have those things to fall back on of course book feels lost and it's scary um 
but it needs to be done. Uh, Tarina is visited in her meditation by Saru. She asks if he is visiting as a friend or representative. I'll add more than a friend. Pete, they're they're building on the on the framework of friendship here. Uh, it's a scene that smolders. Uh, he he does say that he's there on his own, hoping all can reconsider. They talk about trust, new and old fears impacting trust, and so forth. Tarina says that she needs support from all areas of her coalition, including the Vulcan purists who seem to be driving the rift. Uh, Saru is going to leave and let her think, but. He would like to know more about how she meditates. Uh, perhaps this uh, can be an exploration of uh, topics of uh, purpose and place. You know, together they could explore this sometimes. In fact, she's going to give him a mini lesson right now. Shared meditation. Hands up. Eyes closed. No peeking, Mr. Saru. She says <laughs> eyes closed. She knows he's looking. It's great. Lieutenant Christopher connects Burnham with President Rillick via the old holophone. Uh, they are preparing to leave orbit, uh, the president and her entourage. Uh, Burnham informs that Saru is working to get Tarina back to the table, and Burnham is working on a proposal. She says that uh, both respective parties rely on votes. That's what's made their positions intractable, that they can't budge. But if a third party were to come up with a compromise, that's not budging. That's just listening. Uh, I don't know that that's always true, but I know that that's not always false. And it's a great little... Like, it's not a compromise if both sides are listening. It's like, I don't know that, again, I don't know that I buy it 100%, but I think that that's the best, that's the best way to put that. And I don't mean like the best way that this script could. I just mean like they, they, they got it as far as they could. So, so my hat is off to them. Burnham has, it turns out, a plan that will be shared later because we go back to the ice uh, planet moon thing. Uh, it's cold. What's that? Cocytis. Uh, as the locals call it uh it's very cold there's spider lightning in the air uh we see from afar some of these creatures hopping up and back down so i know one thing pete our starfleet folks had better keep moving so everyone stops to complain haral suggests hiding in a cave sasha yells at him uh the spider lightning snaps and this leaves adira ice to the ground um, and they also can't get too close because of the super ice. Pete, I know what they're referencing. There's a uh, David Attenborough, I think it's a planet Earth, but there's one where they're in the very, very cold areas and like really cold water hits the ground and it spreads out just as we see here. So I've seen those David Attenboroughs too. Well done, Star Trek. Or, or they've watched season three with the parasitic ice that discovery was trapped in it, it felt a lot like that uh but it's time for an act break we come back where tilly asks for the emergency kit and she uses programmable matter to create a rope to pull adira back to safety they all have to pitch in to do it matt and our first lesson is learned the ridge is right there um gorev 
explains that he was 10 when a raiding party from the Emerald Chain commandeered his family's food replicators. He watched his grandmother starve to death and had to bury her because his parents were too weak because they gave him all his food. But wait, wait, did you ever ask Haral about his history with the chain? Adira checks that Haral's father, Basharat, was an activist who drafted the Emancipation Bill for the enslaved as part of the armistice eventually proposed to the Federation, but he did not live to see that happen, having been a political prisoner. Uh, and Haral says that uh, his father always said being an Orion brought a greater responsibility to speak out against what the Emerald Chain did. Sasha apologizes for having shut his cave idea down. Uh, a nice way of saying he's not a coward. And Tilly says, everybody's going to get to the ridge now. I. Pete synchronized saying of I always works for me. Uh, back to Navarre. Everyone's sitting back down at the table. Or, in fact, it's a series of tables. But I think we could say the table in a general sense. Burnham notes that they're all here to work a way out. Severu talks of ancient troubles on his world. You know, the Kelpians, the, the Baul, and so forth. Burnham notes that perhaps there could be an intermediary to represent Navarre and the Federation. Uh, like, perhaps, Burnham, a citizen of Navarre and the Federation. Uh, Pete, I won't go off on the tangent here to say, but is not a citizen of a Federation world also a citizen of the world as well as the Federation as all the Vulcan and Romulan people will be once they rejoin the Federation? That's not the point. She can be a bridge for all these concerns here. Uh, Pete, we know that it works because the intermediary, uh, who I assume is the Lieutenant Linus actor, just wearing a different outfit mm -hmm. and same mask, gives a nod. The Vulcan intermediary, who I think is the same actor as Admiral Terrell from the first season here with hair upon his head. He gives a nod as an okay. Uh, Rilik and Tarina, therefore, formally accept this elegant solution. Back on the ridge here, Tilly helps the youngsters to the top. The storm, however, is interfering with their personal transporters, and they need at least a minute for the Armstrong to get a lock. Adira is going to distract the uh, Pyrosome monsters. However, uh, it's going to be Tilly who's going to do it. Uh, she orders the Ensign to stay on the ridge with the cadets. Tilly heads down. She gets her phaser out, but then she turns on her badge and the creature is attracted to it. Adira calls the Armstrong as they fire phasers and support Tilly from above. Captain Imahara of the Armstrong makes contact and beams them off the ridge. And Tilly, as she fires at the other monster down below, uh, gets beamed out right before she gets stomped. Uh, kudos to how this action sequence is skade, uh, staged both on the second view as well as even more so on the first view um 
the jump scare of Tilly is facing one way and then the monster jumps up from behind her. That was really, really well done. Um, and the fact that it got me both times, like, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is I give more credit to the fact that it was shocking the second time because the first time there's all sorts of shocking things happening. Shuttles are falling and, you know, political intrigue and all that. Um, but with, with everyone beamed up, Pete, we cut to a shot of headquarters. Now, Pete, are you sitting down? Yes. Okay. Because we see the establishing shot of headquarters. Then there's a, then there's a wipe from bottom to top. Is this proof, Pete, that this is actually Star Wars and J.J. Abrams actually is Alex Kurtzman? It is not. Okay. <laughs> um, all there in Assembled are okay. Kovich notes that it's a shame that Lieutenant Callum has died. Uh, the upside is that uh, everyone else um, has, has made it. Disco notes that when the Discovery crew first arrived, uh, they were not trusted in part because they believed that anything was possible. But this is what a new generation of cadets needs. Perhaps Tilly could teach the Academy. It's an open offer, open at any time, perhaps later in the episode. Uh, anyway, Adira is happy to have made friends with the cadets, and uh, Tilly sees in Adira someone for whom anything is possible, which is like what Kovich said earlier in the scene. Um, the uh, Navarre... Uh people are welcomed back with the Federation flag by President Rillick. Billions of futures are going to change as a result of this. And the president commends Burnham and Saru for their solution here. Uh, Burnham is still curious um, and is told here by President Tarina about the Kuat Malat sister, Javini and the justice that she would receive. Uh, she is going to be brought to the Pajar uh, monastic world in the Pella system. There she will be devoted to deep rehabilitative meditation under uh, Burnham's mother's guidance. They leave tonight um, and the roles are now reversed uh, in time. Uh, Javini intends to uh, make amends to the family of the slain Starfleet officer, and this should set Burnham's mind at ease. Uh, Saru is asked by President Tarina to join her again for tea. Pete, can you sell me on the necessity of the Javina story wrap here? And then can you sell me on why it should not be here? Like, I'd like to hear both sides as to why we need this wrapped up from, from last episode. Uh, or don't need it. Full credit to Matthew Lafferty, the flavor of the writer's room uh, trope that we talk about. And the flavor of the discovery writer's room is things are sprinkled throughout a season and coalesce come back uh, later in it. So I'm going to propose the following. In addition to the Alchain, the moth people we met at the very beginning who navigate through the use of a network of satellites around their home world, we're going to get Javini back. Uh, we're going to 
uh, need Tilly to provide support from uh, the Starfleet Academy, and it's all going to help to get rid of the DNA. Okay, that uh, that works for me. Um, that works for me. Perhaps even within an episode where I would say what's going to be happening with the Tilly story shortly was maybe not fully prepared in the arc of the season. Um, yes, maybe... but when she goes back and she teaches uh, astrometrics or whatever she's going to teach, she's going to make some development that they sh she's then going to share over the holophone with Stamets, and they're going to technobabble, and then he and Adira are going to go running into Burnham and Saru and say, we've cracked it. Pete, I'm going to improve upon that ever so slightly. Whatever it is that she's teaching, maybe it's going to be more like command and leadership and stuff like that. One of the kiddos is going to be like, um, there you I'll, go. I'll give a very basic thing. The kiddo is going to be like, isn't oh, this like, it's like when the, the apple fell on, um, on, uh, that, that earth scientist guy's head and so on and so forth. And she's going to be like, oh my goodness, what if it is like the apple that fell from the tree? Which is like how gluons and neutrons, da 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 da. Like it's going to be the kid to the teacher and the teacher to her old, uh, you know, uh, workmaster, taskmaster in Stamets and so forth. So <sighs> you think that um, a student in Tilly's class will help inspire her to the M? RNA um, uh, technology that will inoculate them to the DMA. Uh, absolutely. And my only regret is that you and me and everybody who's listening to this, we are smiling now, but in episode 411, when we cut back to Starfleet Academy and Sasha's like, hold on, teach. What about that ancient earther scientist and the apple? And we're going to be like, Mammer jabber. Now we know where things are headed, and the twists and the turns are a little less twisty because we are so wise. But you know what, Pete? That's 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 how it is here when you're when you're working on the bridge like you and me and all our listeners. To Cobra's office, let's go, where Book is now able to make a sand sculpture over time, finding those new ways to heal. With the sculpture complete, it said, next is to just wipe it away. Uh, and perhaps Cobra would like to talk about his troubles one day. Uh as you say, Pete, in another episode. Yes. The, the mirrors here, obviously his situation, we've got to heal the healers that they can't be expected to do it on their own, that they can't be expected to just go through the horrors of what they have using trash bags as personal protective equipment. Um, the other thing mirrored here, and I like the elegance of where they turned it around, clearly the Navarre escape clause thing is mirrored in what happened with the United States and the World Health Organization, withdrawing from it and now, thankfully, back in it with some reason here. Because, uh, again, what Star Trek does is take the real world flip it through the lens of science fiction and story, and then there we are. To Tilly's quarters we go, where Tilly and Burnham catch up. You know, they don't talk as much as they used to since Burnham became a captain. 
it's uh, ice moon you know risk of life and death you know uh, they don't mention callum you know typical day etc however something's on tilly's mind uh remember when they used to uh bunk together there was all the snoring and concerns about knifing Pete, it feels like a million light years ago that they were roomies. It does. The season one photograph there, uh, nicely placed. Um, Burnham heard all about what happened on the ice moon. Just the typical day, um, like the rekindling of the initial roommate experience there, Tilly terrified that Starfleet's first and most infamous mutineer was going to kill her in the night. Burnham unable to sleep because of her snoring. Um, but what it ultimately settles on and, you know, real credit to Mary Wiseman here, um, the discussion of getting her Lieutenant Pips being the worst day of her life. And, uh, that she could never figure out how her mother became a diplomat because she was so unyielding at home. Um, and she planned Tilly's entire future. Uh, and when she told her mother that instead of going into the diplomatic corps, she would go into Starfleet. Um, she thought that she was doing it for herself, but she got the pips and she realized mom's 900 years in the past. She's never going to see her again. And she wonders if she really wants this or if she wants to be seen. And it's humbling. And perhaps, Matt, a useful perspective for a teacher. And maybe as a regular cast member in a spinoff about Starfleet Academy. Burnham says that she will miss Tilly, but don't forget that Tilly will be at Federation headquarters anytime the ship returns. So I think that that is, uh, they're speaking to the audience as well there. Um, they hug and uh, uh, apparently the NX-01 snow globe with all is possible written on it ends up with Adira. This is at a point in the episode where I would say, Pete, we're, we're montaging here. We could have slowed down a little bit. We could have had a little dialogue as uh tilly says goodbye to folks maybe could have had a stamets line saying i'm so proud of you or something like that um i i did like the the mental image there tilly walking to the shuttle got the bag there it's 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 effective um i, I will say for as much as i'm complaining about the montage there's also a great end ending to it tilly looking at discovery um and adira looking out the window looking at the shuttle the implication is that emotionally they are looking at each other, even though literally they are not. So it's it, it's a great use of the camera and so forth. Uh, the shuttle warps away to end the episode. Pete, we have a tactical analysis of this week's threats. Let's talk about the Class L moon, Kokitis. Uh, it's gotten some criticism. Oh, they shot in the Toronto quarry again, and they did it in the snow again after season three's really great exterior use 
that turned into the guardian of forever. Um, okay. That was a Burnham Georgiou joint. This is a Tilly Adira cadet joint. Snow's a common type of environment. And it is a way that water can fall from the air. Yeah, I'm I'm cool with how they used it. And all right, so a, a class L clearly more threatening than a Menshara class uh, planet. I want to know what the L stands for. We've never been told, you know, the Likbalak planet or whatever. Um, just just to get a little bit more of that. But clearly, between the life form and the environment, threatening. Um, yeah, in fact, I, as I was watching the episode, I was, uh, first of all, Pete, I did not identify it as the quarry location, and I'm usually pretty good with spotting those things when it's obvious. So you want to go back to this valley that's got, you know, rock around it, and uh, when it snows and go, oh, it's a completely different spot. Like it didn't jump out to me the way it did when the when it was used uh, multiple times. <laughs> Clearly, as the same Toronto area quarry. Um, I was even wondering, like, is this LED? Is this it? like whatever it was? I was looking for evidence of fakeness, and it didn't jump out at me. So I, I guess there's more critical eyes than mine seeing that. Um, Pete grief also a factor in this episode uh driving certainly book but uh, other characters to other uh to other degrees with him stating the obvious of everybody's gotta process it at their own rate that were three episodes past the loss of his home world we're we're reaching a story point where they're naturally having this discussion instead of and next week he was better and but still wants to find out how to stop the thing that destroyed his world it, it's a natural outgrowth and that it allows colber to participate in his story that colber is helping the rest of the crew and tilly um that it's bridging into his storyline like i said that they'll eventually get at you know well who takes care of the people who take care of others like i said mirroring what's going on in our universe and the idea that doctors and nurses and respiratory therapists are indestructible because medicine uh, we also have, uh, I think, the the fallibility of politics explored a bit here. Um, that it takes, like, look at this way, Pete. Neither you nor I complain that the series lead, Sonika Martin Green, is frequently at the center of story solutions. Um, you want to say, all right, well, each season it's a galactic threat that she helps solve. You know, uh, again, how many times? How and in how many of the Star Trek movies did Kirk have a direct hand in saving the day? Uh, most of them, uh, and so forth. Um, but th just this notion that everybody, everybody on the Federation side, everybody on the Navarin side, is okay with the final, the the final uh, bit of, I don't know, solution at the end, but needs this third party to help. 
I think on the one hand, I can see that this is a dramatic construction. I also think like it's capturing a certain degree of true life that sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need that thing to bridge the two sides. You need the third option. Star Trek has never been revolutionary in the way that it looks at politics. It's a lot of regurgitation, but I think it's thoughtful regurgitation. You look at Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, and it was a reflection on Glasnost and what happened with the former Soviet Union to the point where Leonard Nimoy is, uh, you know, working uh, on the film from a production standpoint and uh he's wondering out loud like does russia know what we're doing and are they following what we're laying out so the snake eating its tail um politics is art of the compromise and okay so the federation is stuck they can't allow um any world no matter how important to enter and then uh we don't like what's happening completely withdrawal and the idea of navarre these past scars that they've borne feeling like the uh the the total membership wasn't listening to their concerns they're you know dipping their toe back in they're not sure they fully want to go in um and I'll use the words of the episode. The president says it's an elegant solution. And I think everybody's on board with that. That being said, there's stuff to chew over when we talk theories about this moving forward. I'll add to it too. President Rillick play acts a, a lousy art of the deal, which is I don't get what I want. Therefore, I'm going to leave. Um, of course, that's part of her larger plan, but I think there's a Are you of... saying that she gets, that she does the best deals? Um, I think she play acts someone who is tempestuously walking away when they don't get what they want. Um, if that is, if that's the only play in the playbook, then it doesn't always work. Um, however, her nuanced approach for cooperation does get her perhaps not the best deal but a better deal uh pete we have in this threat uh, analysis here we also have pyrosomes which are a real thing uh commonly called sea pickles at least on <laughs> earth um they range in size from less than one centimeter to several meters in length um i like that there's a little bit of science i mean sea pickles are very far from um, you know, snow spiders uh, that can leap up out of the snow in shark-like fashion uh, or in uh, worm-like fashion. But uh, they're certainly a fun, a really fun monster in this episode. Yeah, I mean, shades of the creature on the ice planet in the 2009 Star Trek. Obviously, the ability to do this level of CGI monster on week-to-week tv where that was oh we're gonna have a big sequence where kirk gets chased into an ice cavern and meets uh, old uh you know leonard nimoy spock um but it, it was fun and i like the science behind it the 
idea of a colony organism instead of just and big ice spider. Pete, if we were to rename this podcast the Lieutenant Callum podcast by Fantastic Geek, surely Kovich would have to be some kind of uh, threat to Lieutenant Callum, RIP Lieutenant Callum. I think we have to ask ourselves and that they have the conversation for the viewer. Hey, what's happened here on Shuttlecraft 11? This is a training hollow, right? We were knocked out before we got in here and now they're Kobayashi marooning us, as you mentioned before. I don't think any viewer completely trusts uh, Kovic. And would he sacrifice a lieutenant shuttlecraft pilot in order to get a visiting professor to Starfleet Academy from Discovery that he's told, you know, you guys came to the future like your stuff didn't stink. And you know what? We need that. And so do the young people who are isolated and, you know, not as bubbly as you are. So would the needs of the many, Matt, outweigh the needs of poor Lieutenant Callum? I think within the world of the story, it's maybe not a strong possibility, but it is a possible scenario. I had read Kovic's presence more as, hey, we want Cronenberg back, and he was here to set up the Giorgio spinoff, which ended up not spinning off. And even if it did spin off, it would have been like, you know, she's there in the past or or something, and we don't necessarily need more Kovic, but we like him, so now he's going to be special advisor guy. Um, so I think I know what brought the actor and the character into the script. Within the script, though, uh, now we have to keep an eye on whether... <laughs> whether more badness is afoot from Kovic. Pete, let's scan for some theories, and obviously the first one here, particularly if we bring in some of the press that Mary Wiseman did. Uh, though she's perhaps not a series regular, can we say for sure she will be back uh, during this season? We know for certain she will be back later this season. I think the real question is how much Tilly is left. Um, she is doing a play in New York. They are not yet committed publicly to a fifth season. We don't know if she would be part or even involved in a fifth season. Um, so we'll have to see, you know, what you said in our last segment about um, David Cronenberg, it'd be weird if he became the performer we bring in when we're laying track for a, a potential spinoff. Um, you know, <laughs> and then that does that become the thing? Well, Mary Wiseman doesn't want to come back and, and do a Starfleet Academy show. But we have Anthony Rapp, and season five, we're going to have Kovich summon Stamets to talk about the mycelial network at Starfleet Academy, and that turns into, 
you know, that spinoff, that might be a little much. Um, I was surprised how much I cared for um, Sylvia Tilly leaving Discovery at the end of this episode. Um, I think that people have bonded with her character. I know there's all sorts of reads. Uh, is she potentially on the autistic uh, spectrum? Um, she, uh, the, the performer, uh, identifies as queer. There's that aspect uh, to it. Um, the show is so great on the varied representation that it provides. Um, I can't help but feel we've lost something in the week to week. Um, and I have a hard time viewing how the next couple episodes work without this idea that, and there's Tilly with a, a science thing and also a quip. Do you give that stuff to Stamets? Certainly he can do it. Um, in the wake of Wiseman's week-to-week -week absence, does some of that stuff possibly then, does some of that screen time go to gray? Uh, it's, it's definitely a way that we can go. Do they elevate somebody else? Does Linus get a get a bigger role i don't know but it, it feels strange knowing that uh next week for instance not a uh oh she's in a jeffrey's tube right now that tilly's not going to be on an episode of star trek discovery i would love to have mary wiseman appear in every episode uh from here to the end of the series and then some I do think that the show has not known what to do with the character of Tilly for some time um, as she advanced from cadet to ensign and, and all of that, which is to say once that all, so that, that was always going to be part of the process. Okay, fine. I think that last season, you know, to, to think Pete that, Five or six episodes ago, she was the acting executive officer uh, for Captain Saru, which, you know, kind of like rank wise, I take a little exception to. But in terms of Mary Wiseman is one of the leads and one of the um, leads since the beginning of the series. So, of course, you're going to give her stuff and I can worry less about how much, you know, how much uh, junk you have on your communicator that 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 allows for it you know, fine, so be it. It's all, it's all fiction. But to go from that to her being written less, written out, I'm not quite sure what the proper term is. The interview that she had with Forbes this week was interesting for a couple of reasons. One is she made it clear to say it was the writer's idea and not her idea, which it's interesting that she wanted to make that distinction. Um, also kind of you know some of the some of the life reasons uh for example like marriage and starting a family and all of that uh she i don't remember the exact quote from the article but it was like you know she declined to to go down that road or something like that i mean this is now this is now a year since this episode was shot here's something that we know pete we know that 
if these if these episodes were shot in sequence um jonathan frakes started working on an episode the first monday in january of this year so i assume that these three episodes these first th- oh, pardon me these first four episodes were shot before january of of this year um so she's been gone for a while like i feel like the, i feel like somehow this all doesn't add up to a certain degree and if the answer is mary wiseman decided it was time to reprioritize and not work nonstop on a on a you know very very challenging uh hour-long drama that's fine too but i feel like part of her messaging to the world by way of this article was to say that she wasn't saying that um so i have i I feel like i have more questions than answers some of which are whatever you want to work less you want to have a change in your career you want to be like tilly and change what your priorities are that's fine but that's also not what's being said only they know for sure that uh we're told that this was the writers we have to take that on face value um I look forward to whatever Tilly we still have coming. I'm hopeful that it turns into, and she figured it out and she joins the crew again full time for season five. I'm grateful that they didn't attempt to pull a Starbuck here, uh, you know, and not be upfront that we wouldn't see her again um, and, and leave uh, tongues wagging like, well, what really did happen there? I, I think it could have been worse in terms of the vagueness that might have followed that. And then, you know, she's not in the credits next week and you're like, well, whoa, whoa, they're, they're really they're really committing to this. Um, so we'll we'll just have to see. We have nine more episodes in this season. A handful going to go by here. We're going to see her again. What other theories do you have surrounding this episode? So, very interestingly, Burnham tells President Rillick that she's going to need more transparency in the future. So, the question I think that leads to with this committee that Captain Burnham has now, um, you know recommended to form and is now a part of as a citizen of Novar, as well as an officer in Starfleet, uh, to evaluate and check in regularly with all these member worlds. One, it's going to create, you know, strain on her regular duties as a captain of a starship, a first time captain of a starship, as well as uh what is going to pull at her there you know political pressure from president relic pressure from navarre pressure from other worlds we haven't yet gotten to that she will help to survey and check in with i mean they are setting up conflicts of interest they are and i think you know, again, I stand by the comparison I made earlier. Um, if if you treat Star Trek Discovery seasons like Star Trek movies, that that's when you say, oh man, it's either Kirk or Picard or Spock or Data that's at the center of all of those 
conflicts and solutions and so forth. Yes, on the series, it was not Picard saving the situation every week, nor was it the Enterprise, because sometimes they'd be like, man, that last episode was really expensive. How about in this episode, uh, I don't know, Picard's going to date a lady, and uh, we're going to deal with, uh, I don't know, Worf caught in a, you know, a mud bath or whatever, because it's uh, less expensive, and it could be humorous, um, and it could be less stakes. Um, so, it, again, it, do, it doesn't bother me nor you that Burnham is now at this super important point. I think we can see the show is you know shoring up that as a variety of options whether it's the the natural threat of the dme or more political concerns and, and things like that as we move forward um again it doesn't I, I i don't i don't see well i suspect i know where some of the concerns come from and it's uh not let's you know shall we say it's not the writing it's just concerns that you know somebody like michael burnham is in charge so saru and President Tarina, okay? So, Kelpians go through Vaharai. Vulcans go through Ponfar. It, are we going to get some kind of, like, crazy mating episode, okay? Uh, you know, obviously, he's gone through his Vaharai. His threat ganglia came out. Um very clearly reminiscent of what Vulcans go through uh, every seven years and, and the burning of their Vulcan blood. Um, are we going to get some, you know, really steamy seventh episode here uh, in that AR uh, <laughs> stage that they spend a night inside a volcano? You know, Pete, I think sometimes you get more you get more sizzle from what you don't see the notion of asking doug jones with all that latex and uh the tarina actress in you know what looks like to be a pretty a pretty bristly wig and so forth you know to 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 be to be more energetic versus less i think that you can you can easily say you know and thus and thus the quarter doors closed and the camera is still out in the hall and there could be a wink and a nod. I know that seeds were planted to this. I know we had discussed it. I want to say maybe I was the first one to bring it up last season, although I, I know it had been discussed last season. Um, I think just everybody could get behind this as, you know, as as a relationship on screen. It's fun. It's a little goofy. Um, it's heartfelt, and it's wonderful. Tara Rosling, I think really brings i mean when you look at her imdb match she's done some handmaid's tale she's done some expanse all right um yeah i mean this pantheon of regulars that they have in the in the toronto area um discovery has made really good use of them and i think president Tarina here rising up the uh the ranks of recurring uh vulcan and you know non-federation uh recurring characters and again i would rather have mary wiseman in every episode but purely just from the writer's room just from the edit bay just from the you know 
the creation of episodes on paper and then the editing of episodes separate from separate from all of that you know the, the whole production process in the middle what what time and spark is there for the next great tilly story when you know i i you the writing staff and so forth are excited about the saru tarina arc which is not going to be a ton of screen time but man pete we could have this stretch out over four five eight episodes there could be the wedding at the end of the season for all we know i'm excited about the possibilities there could be the tragic you know dma death and saru is sad like whatever it is there's great juice there we've added book to be the first partner of the captain um you know who's like a who's there every week uh, to my knowledge, right? Just quick little survey of my Star Trek knowledge here. He's the first um, Captain Significant Other to continue to be in the show week to week, right? Janeway had her fella back in Earth and like all that. So that's an interesting dynamic, and I'm interested to explore that more. And he's a great character, and I'm glad he's here for more than one season, etc. Um, so I feel like it's just another like we're so excited about Tarina. It's another reminder that. Again, just from a story perspective, there might not be a ton of great Tilly stuff ahead. However, Pete, ahead for us is opening hailing frequencies. Hailing frequencies open, sir. Pete, we check our Twitter poll uh, in which uh, people could vote for the top storyline from this week. Uh, 21% said diplomacy. 21% said moving on. 26% said leadership. And 30% said mental health, uh, which I think that captures this was a this this was a multifaceted episode uh, that uh, that gave us you know a bunch of different storylines, perspectives, and so forth. Uh, in terms of Twitter responses, we heard from James the Sagacious, that's at Big Killen on Twitter. All three plot lines were thoughtful and engaging. The cadet story had a slight lower decks feel to it. Kovich still has a surprise for us. The romance is so cute I could scream, but speaking of votes, give us our bridge crew. I need my Detner OO side glances when Saru is flirting. Um, Pete, I would welcome openings in future stories to have more bridge crew and uh, more bridge crew story time. We've been talking about that for a while. Two episodes in a row, no bridge crew other than new bridge crew, Lieutenant Christopher. I, I gotta wonder if there's not more behind the scenes there, that it might've been a function of some kind of COVID protocol. Yeah. Um, I just hope that they talk about these things after the fact we've, we've spoken mm -hmm. on other podcasts, how uh, on the Marvel end and the star Wars end on Disney plus they'll have, you know, they'll have a special to talk about the end of the season and things like that. And how initially, um, with the uh, WandaVision one, they were not that forthcoming with talking about the impact of COVID. Okay, you know, fine. Uh, but they've talked about that more so w with other shows. Same thing here, whether it's the interview or the hour-long special or the 20-minute special or whatever. I would just love to know, just as they're getting LED walls and they're buying, uh, you know, season one uh, fabric from Switzerland and things like that, Tell me how you figured this out. I don't think it's, you know, it's not some big secret to sit and go, here's how we kept people safe and here's how we shot from November to August with only one, uh, to my knowledge, to public knowledge, with one 
uh, COVID outbreak or COVID instance requiring a two week shutdown. Like you only, you know, fine, you shot slower, you shot in smaller groups and so forth, but one two week shutdown over 10 months is a really strong record. And I'd love to know how they, how they did it. Back to these tweets though, Pete, we heard from JT Adkins. It's at JTA is me. Enjoyed, but not happy about the moving on portion. Performances were great, but I'll admit the themes of compromise, cooperation, and the like, while valid, uh, felt a little on uh, felt a little on the nose, a little preachy, but I still enjoyed. Now let's get that professor back on board, and please tell me Hallmark doesn't have an all is possible snow globe free Idic medallion with purchase. <laughs> please no, um, uh, Pete. Maybe it's something they're going to plan for next year. I mean, listen, we've seen how quickly they can turn around some of the lower deck stuff, you know, the uh, the, the T-shirts or, uh, you know, some of the other things. So who knows? Uh, we heard again from Stingray. That's at Trek Girl 88. Tilly's arc from season one cadet to Starfleet Academy instructor has been wonderful to watch. I have no doubt we'll see her again, but if we don't, I was happy to see her shed her mom baggage and do what she thinks is right for her. And that brutal honesty when Book asks, how long do I have to do this? Quote, a long ass time, close quote. Dr. Culber, you know, I I hope there could be even more for Wilson Cruz. I mean, you know, the number of hats he's wearing as a medical officer, as a as a counselor, maybe that's where some of the the Tilly airtime goes to in, in more of the traditional, you know, if, if there's a Troika at the, the helm of discovery, it's Burnham, Saru, Tilly, right? That's why we were all wondering, okay, she would effectively be the, um, you know, the commanding officer, or I'm sorry, the, the, um, the XO, but, you know, could, could you do the, the classic with, you know, Burnham, uh, as the captain, uh, number one with Saru, and then you know promote Culber, chief medical officer, and 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 get that. It would be a way to go. Continuing on Twitter, we heard from Spider Ham Lincoln. That's at Tess LC one three nine. Another good one. Loving the evolution of Tilly from her Galileo Seven slash Allegiance esque mission to her new role as academy instructor. I don't expect we've seen the last of her, despite the touching send off. Still getting weird vibes from Cronenberg's Kovich, like he's not such a benign character. I still think he's from the Mirror Universe. The book Culber scenes were wonderfully done. And two weeks now with no OO slash Detmer. Uh, and by the way, Pete, he shared an inverse article uh, noting that Kovich is the strangest Star Trek character uh, in mm-hmm. years and how that might be the key to the multiverse. Listen, if Doctor Strange comes through, we'll know. Next up is Jackie Wolf. That's at Jackie Wolf on Twitter. Episode four always seems to do a lot of heavy lifting as far as setting up the rest of the season. Think season two, episode four and Obal for Charon. Uh, so I'm satisfied with this episode. The jury is still out on President Relax's true intentions, but her outfits are on point at all times. And then Pete, music emoji, Seru and President Tarina sitting on a chala tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G. We'll have to see. <laughs> Uh, and then lastly, from Barton Stan, that's at KCLYLE1 on Twitter. Uh, what just happened? I'm assuming this change with Tilly is temporary. This is one of those episodes that could have been a TNG episode. Not bad, but nothing special story-wise. 
But I have to say, as much as I uh, love this show, and I get that lots of burn, I get that lots the Burnham show. Uh, once again, she's the only option in the situation. And again, no bridge crew, no jet, no Stamets, maybe COVID. Who knows? Still frustrating. Still better than most shows on TV. Uh, Pete, I think Barton stand there uh, reminding us for, for as much as like I was getting ready for the podcast today. And I'm like, I keep saying, well, we'll, we'll, well, COVID, well, we'll give an exception to COVID. Like, no, that is a, that is a real thing. And we are watching episodes shot at a time before there was uh, widespread vaccination in this country. And Canada was not as fast as this country. And none of the American actors were going to quick break quarantine, hop back here, get a shot, then wait two more weeks and then get back in the work fray. So yes, I think anytime we're not sure, ah, do I give them the gimme or not? If you can give them a COVID gimme, you do it. Yeah. And I think they've earned it. Um, they've done a lot to be one of the first productions to go back in. And then, like you mentioned before, they they had issues with it. Um, you know, you've kind of come to expect it at, at this point, you know, with the with the number of cases and everything. This is cases in our area or skyrocketing back up um but you know what have they done they've produced this show that we get to talk about so they're clearly doing something right matt pete always on the right is grand admiral fred from the netherlands whose voice waves we hollow in right now hello matt and pete and all listeners to fantastic geek this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for our star trek discovery season four Episode 4. Last week's podcast you had a big discussion whether the tall symbiont is transferred to the android or is still in Adira. I thought the symbiont was transferred because otherwise perhaps in Adira other tiles would surface. In all the episodes before where the tall symbiont was in Adira always grey was on the surface but we know from Jitsia decks from Deep Savage 9 that sometimes other hosts can surface and I would really wonder if the symbiont would be still in Adira if one of the other tall hosts would surface. So that's why I thought the symbiont is really transferred to the grey, let's say, android. I'm getting a little in trouble with my feedback because now also The Expanse Season 6 started I will go back to my most original podcaster, Mark Decote in Canada, for Solar Talk Media. So if there are people who want to hear me, then they can go there if they watch that series anyhow. But I have to say, I still have a big problem, because listening to podcasts is something I do on my cycle to and from work, as everybody knows by now, and not much in the house or around the house or whatever. And since of COVID, I'm partly at home, so I really lack time of listening to podcasts. And I find it very difficult to just give feedback and not listen to the podcast or just skip through it. So there is one discovery podcast that has a podcast of two and a half, sometimes three hours, and I just can't listen to it. It's just too long. I already have difficulty enough to cope with the other ones of 45 minutes to one hour. So in that way, COVID limits me to the amount of podcasts I listen to. 
instead of uh, increasing it as you could expect so when you're sitting at home you can listen to podcasts but when i'm home i'm doing other things of which one is watching series okay really enough about all my listening and watching habits let's go into episode four of discovery okay let's start with the training mission of tilly idira and the other three I really had a bit a Kobayashi Maru feeling and all the time I had the idea, is this a simulation, is it not a simulation? But eventually it was obviously not. I found the pace in that a little bit too quick in the sense of things evolved very quickly after each other. And that's just because there was no time enough and there were other stories going along as well. For instance, book with Dr. Kalber. And of course the whole Navarre story with Michael and Saru and both presidents, etc. I think uh, Tilly's story would have gained something if there would be more time for it. And a little bit more stretched. And it would feel a little bit more real in the sense of that these cadets first are at each other's throats and then they find common ground and, well, just resolved too quickly. Quite some creatures, by the way, at the end. Even with five phases, you cannot uh, kill them. I didn't like the acting of David Cronenberg, who played the Starfleet Academy consultant Kovic. It, it looked a bit like he had Parkinson's disease. It was so stiff and... No, no, not really good acting. Or he should be like that, because he is an artificial intelligence or something. I do like the new grey, really nice, joyful, positive, not so much depressed as previously, so nice change. I really wonder which role he will play, because he's now Idira's roommate and that's about it, so will he get a more prominent role? And then the story about the Navarre becoming a member of the Federation was also a nice story, but had a little bit the same problem as the Tilly story in the sense of not having it time enough and being resolved too quickly. And of course, by the lead actress or the lead figure, Michael Burnham, I would have liked it more when the solution would have come from Saru. Although he played his part and I really liked the connection between him and the Navarre president. On the other hand, Michael's experience with Falcons being brought up on Falcon and being a captain of the Federation is also actually logical. Okay, time's is way up. Greetings. This was all. Till next time, Fred from the Netherlands. Pete, I would like to tip my cap to my my brother in star trek fred okay we are both hashtag team symbiont transfer uh fred you and i could be wrong together uh i think <laughs> i i think not only could it have transferred i think that there are story reasons why it should have transferred we were wrong and uh i guess we'll see the impact that, that has on the story as uh, as the season goes on uh fred with a podcast here about podcasts there you go. Uh, Pete, my takeaway was that Fred likes the length of our podcasts. So that is, uh, I, I know sometimes they're sometimes they're on the longer end. We're probably going to cross the 90-minute mark on this one. In fact, I'm looking at the counter. We will in about 95 seconds or so. Uh, but uh, 
I would agree with Fred. Two and a half, three hours is is more jibber jabber than I would care to either create or sit through. It is, and I think that's something we really, really devote ourselves to not uh, going to. Um, the pacing of the cadet crash. Um, I mean, this was a fifty-five minute episode. I I think they had a lot going on. Um, I was okay with it. I think it is it is interesting to think, you know, was that portion a little bit too fast? Was Tilly's exit too fast? Yes, it was a 55-minute episode. It would have been okay if it was a 60-minute episode, right? A little bit more time with the, the with the cadets, a little bit more time to have actual dialogue as Tilly leaves. Um again, we'll we'll err on the side of if they thought that too, but time was a factor because of COVID and whatnot. Okay, like the, you get the benefit of the doubt for for things like this. This is not some sort of like, and then Tilly was suddenly gone. You know, it, the writing shape is there. Some of the particulars we might we might quibble with, but uh, certainly works for me. And speaking of working for you, Matt, uh, we work for the good people of patreon.com slash fantastic geek. Indeed, Pete, they keep us going. Particularly, I, I'm looking at this December schedule. We got a lot of got a lot of things to talk about with uh, weekly Hawkeyes, weekly Discoveries, weekly Book of Boba Fett. Got a Matrix Monday coming up the Monday after Christmas and so forth. And uh, all that storage and bandwidth made possible by those who support us on Patreon.com slash Geek. So thank you for the support. Can't contribute this month? Get yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Can always help us out with a rating, with a review to any of our 25 podcast feeds. Show Discovery, a uh, Star Trek Discovery podcast by Fantastic Geek. A little love. Give us a nod there. Pete, let's keep the Star Trek conversation going. How can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R-12,237. Followers can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, do be in touch with the podcast. Comment on FantasticGeek.com. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Gmail, where we are Fantastic Geek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with a P-H, all one word, like it today. Pete with this week wrapping up and the new week starting we can look ahead to certainly a busy podcasting weekend next weekend if you listen to us on the pop culture podcast feed on saturday the 18th we will talk uh hawkeye 105 sunday the 19th we will talk discovery 405 and then on monday the 20th we will talk spider-man no way home and then pete but after that we're going to talk about boba fett final preview book of boba fett final preview uh, busy times, good times on, there on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Of course, if you're just here for Star Trek, Star Trek Sundays will remain. Pete, by my math, especially if you include, a, or if you include a season wrap here, a season preview there, uh, we have Star Trek Sundays locked up until the first Sunday in May, give or take, when you include Star Trek Picard and all of that. So, for now, I will say adios to all the listeners and give you the final word. Go! Get inspired.